Welcome back to the Book Truck Chronicles. My name is Brandy, and I run a bookshop on wheels in Edmonton, Canada. Yeah, you heard that right, a bookshop on wheels. Mine is the only book truck in all of Alberta, and it's one of three in the entire country. So yes, it's a little bit of a unicorn, kind of awesome in all of its cool little bookshop glory. And the word is out. I'm going to tell you guys right now. I can't even believe I'm going to say this. We are opening a brick and mortar store. Yes, yes, we are doing it. So I have kind of been hinting at it for a little while if you have listened to past episodes, but it is official. We not only have the keys, but demolition on our new space has begun today. Oh, you guys. I don't even know what to say. This is um, this is more than surreal. This is unbelievable for me. We always knew from the beginning that we did want to join a book truck with an address-based business so that we could have some place that we could run the book truck out of. And we could have all of the books in one place and we could serve Edmonton's wonderful, vibrant reading needs all year long, regardless of the weather. Can I get an amen? Um, and yeah, so that's what we're doing. We are starting, we're hoping to open late September and it's going to be wonderful. So uh, uh, yeah, you guys, my mind is spinning. I have so many plates up in the air right now and there are so many things that are demanding my attention and so many things I want to do. And if you've seen my house, mm -hmm, you probably know that is not getting the best to me right now. So it is a little yicky. And I'm looking right now at a plant that has died. It it went screaming, crying, begging for attention, and I obviously just let it go. I'm sorry, plant. Well, you guys, you can't do everything well, right? The plant obviously had to go. So I am working really hard to make sure that everybody who comes into the book truck who is looking for a little bit more is going to get all that we offer and more to make it consistent, to make it awesome, to make it a value-based book shopping experience and something retro, something funky, something Edmonton has not seen before. So, I mean, you know, I'm not a cookie cutter kind of person. I don't like to copy what somebody else has done. I kind of like to do it my own way. Yep, firstborn, this is me, I am I'm doing it. I'm running the race, I'm the first one breaking the tape, I'm just getting this done. So, oh, you guys, this is, this is insane, this is all craziness. But I'm still here for you. I know I missed last week, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I have no excuse, I, whatever, life is crazy. So I know you have grace and you understand because your life is also crazy right now, I'm going to keep putting the podcast episodes out. I'm going to keep interviewing people and talking to awesome readers all throughout the Edmonton area. Don't worry. This is called the Book Truck Chronicles, and my book truck experience will not go away. I will be based out of a brick and mortar location, and the, you guys, the building literally is made of brick. <laughs> it literally 
really is. Oh, that was a little loud. Was that loud in your ear? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. I have a little enthusiasm. I had some tea and I feel like I'm like wrapped up on caffeine right now. But so yes, we are still going to be running the book truck, even though we're basing ourselves out of this brick and mortar location. Daisy will still run from like April all the way through to September. We're just going to park her for the winter when, let's be honest, we're not really using her to her full capacity anyway. So we're going to give her a little, uh, what we call it, a snow vacay. We're going to like park her for a while. And then we can focus more on doing events and really great things. I'm, I'm not, I can't even say them all right now, but there's so many great things that we have planned for you in this space. So you can go to our website, daisychainbook.co, and you can get all the information about the location, the opening, and if you are signed up for our emails, please do sign up for our emails because I will tell my precious email community before I tell anybody else about some of these details. There are also some perks, mm-hmm, perks. There are perks for people on my email list that nobody else will get. There will be bonuses, there will be giveaways, there will be opportunities, there'll be all sorts of great little things because you guys, my email list is like my family, right? They're the people that you wanna tell things to first, you have your best friends, you have your people, you got your loved ones. Those are the ones that you turn to to tell all the precious things. So that's my email community. I will tell them things first and then hopefully they'll tell two people and they'll tell two people and they'll tell two people, you know how it goes. I, I value them. I value so much their dedication to my business, their investment in their time, their curiosity, their passion in what I'm doing. So I'm going to reward that with giving them information as if they are a precious friend, which of course they are. So please be one of my precious friends and sign up for emails and get all the information before anybody else because, you know, friendship has its perks. Today, I'm going to share with you a conversation I had recently with a sweet friend that I made at one of the markets. Her name is Colleen Heidecker, and she runs Colleen's Chocolates. She is the kind of person you want to spend a whole day copping a squat, having a drink, giggling until the tears just run down the sides of your face. I want to hug her all the time. She smiles like she's made of sunshine. She is just an absolute delight a delight and if you've had her chocolates you know that her chocolates are so delightful as well she is all the things you guys all the things anybody in the market community they know colleen because she makes herself known she's got love for everybody she's just she is wonderful and she is wise and dedicated and an incredibly smart businesswoman so without further ado y'all i'm going to share my conversation with colleen with you so Colleen, I love that I'm able to talk to you and my sweet market buddy. Can you tell us a little bit about the cool bookish community that you're a part of? Yeah. So um, a couple months ago, I rewarded myself and I joined the Patreon community. And um, it's for a, a gentleman that was on a TV show on Netflix called The Final Table. And through meeting all these people, and we're from all over the world, we ended up kind of giggling one day and saying we should have a book club and then we started a book club <laughs> and so um the charles who's the sort of head of the group had put forth his most influential books and we started picking out what we were going to do and we just had our first book club not even two weeks ago and i actually hosted it that is so exciting and this is this is like a food-based book club is that right 
Yeah, so because he's a chef and the final table was a big uh, competition with chefs from all over the world, uh, a lot of the books that were his influential books were food books. And so when we started looking at, you know, what we could do for a book club, uh, we wanted to really kind of keep it niche and keep it towards that food centric book. So but some books would be by chefs, some books would be about food systems, some food books would be even just about like food waste. And that was the actually the first book that we did was about sort of food waste and how do we how do we help ourselves to not have so much of it? I don't even think we really consider that stuff, do we? We get so lost in just the habits of consuming and buying. We don't actually really think sometimes about the cost of all of that. Oh, for sure. And it's it's funny because people don't even realize, like, you know, if you bring home four bags of groceries, basically one bag is going to go in the garbage. Like, you might as well just throw it in the garbage when you walk in the door because you have good intentions of making that food and you don't. And one of the things that this uh, book that we just read, it was called Silo, and it's a zero waste blueprint by a gentleman named Douglas McMaster. And one of the things he talks about was he was opening a restaurant and he told his staff, we're not going to have a garbage in the restaurant. So you need to think about every item that comes through that door. It can't have garbage. And that's a big, big challenge. Like think about, you know, you, your, your cucumbers come wrapped in plastic, right? You can't do uh, that. Yeah. I think that's an awful thing that the grocery stores are doing. It's very hard. Like I go in and I have my little mesh bags to put my produce in and my recyclable, you know, tote bags and everything. And I go in and the lettuce is wrapped, the peppers are wrapped, the cucumbers are wrapped. I like mushrooms because you can put them in a paper bag. I know. <laughs> but it's so discouraging. It is. And even, you know, when you think about something on a bigger scale like a restaurant, like they were thinking about – you know, when I get all these jugs of milk, like think of a Starbucks and how many jugs of milk they go through a day. Oh. But what they did was they said to the farmer, can we get the milk in a keg? So you'll give it to us in a keg. We'll use it. And then we'll give you the keg back and you refill it. And the farmer was like, yeah, I can do that. Because the farmer's suddenly going, oh my gosh, I'm going to save so much money not having these plastic jugs. Uh-huh. And we're going to save transport costs because now we just have one keg instead of pallets. And so, you know, and think of a pallet. A pallet gets wrapped in plastic. And so they, oh. really, they took it out even further. You know, instead of getting wheat in bags, we're going to get wheat in sacks, the full thing, and we're going to grind it ourselves. So now we have to have a oh. meal. Yeah. And, you know, they put a composter in the restaurant. But it's all these fun things that – we don't think about, but we can actually, we can do at home. There's things we mm -hmm. can do, you know, that are, like you just said, you know, taking your little your reusable bags to the grocery store and you so desperately want to fill them. <laughs> mm -hmm. I do. And that's why I like going to markets because you can see everything out there. And sometimes even at the market, they'll say, oh, we'll put these in a bag for you. And I'll say, ah, I got a bag. Hold on. <laughs> I'm good. But, exactly. but the option is there. Like you can see the person who grew it. And you can put it in something that you don't have to apologize to the environment for. It feels so much better. It does. And you feel like you're having a bit more of a connection with the person that grew that food that you're going to eat. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love it. 
I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I'm, I love that there's this kind of behind the scenes foodie community who is so all about sustainable, happy environment producing products that can educate other people about how to do these things better. Because we just get into habits, right? I don't even think that we consider that the food that we're eating, first of all, is it good for us? That's a whole other podcast. But is it something that is good for the world or is it just good for my taste buds for right now? And then it's kind of a selfish thing. It is. And we kind of, because we're so separated from food, none of us, you know, in your, in your general circle of friends, not very many of us grow our own food. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. kind of a sad state because even my grandparent generation, like they grew their food. My dad had a garden when they had a house, you know, and so it's, it's not that far removed that we did grow some of our own things. It was that fun summertime, you know, all of us kids had to, we had to weed that garden. That was your job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, if you want to eat, you will weed. Yeah. And, you know, but <laughs> think about my favorite thing from the garden. And I loved um, peas, peas in the pod. Love them. But Oh, if yeah. You, if you make something for me now that has peas in it, I will look at it and be like, I'm not eating that. I <laughs> <laughs> and it's because I know it came from, you know, a bag or, or a can, and it's just not that childhood memory. And food memories are our strongest memories, you know, and they really... Oh, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. They've actually... I think that's why we have comfort foods and we have nostalgia around the table, is those food food moments and the tastes are totally wrapped up in our brains with all the memories of the people and the moments and the holidays or the get togethers. And we take those taste buds with us to all of those events. And we try to recreate them when we're living on our own and we're independent and we're so modern. And all we can do is get a boxed, you know, version of it from some store that you have to heat up in your microwave, which is so disgusting. It (laughs) is. And it's so funny because I, I always say like in my family, we're very specific on our holidays. Like these are the foods that you eat on these holidays and you don't eat other things. <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny because my boyfriend's family's like, let's have pizza on Thanksgiving. I'm like, you're heathens. What are you doing? <laughs> don't even say this to me. I can't hear it. I'm like, I'm yeah. not coming over. <laughs> Yeah. My daughter is very same. She likes to have things very traditional. Do not stray from the menu. This is what we do. Yeah. This is what this day means. We're going to eat this. And I can expect that when we sit down, this is what is going to happen. She doesn't like it when things change. No. So I totally get that. Yeah. And it's, and I love like traditions around food. And so it's funny because I've, I've been reading a lot of food books lately. And now I'm sort of reading about a lot of like traditions and where food actually comes from. And and these books are just kind of blowing my mind where I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, I did not think about these things, you know, like apricots. Yeah. Apricots aren't from here. Where the heck did apricots come from? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I love it. I know. And, and, and just using all these foods that, you know, really aren't from North America. Right. And we just kind of get used to the privilege of having those on our menu and being able to choose those. And okay, maybe we pay a little more for peaches at different times of the year. But yeah, it's a whole different kind of industry. If you were only limited to the things that you could eat in your grow space and your grow seasons, our menus would look so different. Yeah. And that's one of the things. So in this book, Silo, at the restaurant, they only do seasonal. So 
you're not eating tomatoes in the winter. You're just, it's not on the menu. It doesn't grow there <laughs> in the winter. And, and they said, you know, one of the things, they'll only put something on the menu out of season if there's a specific reason. So say a farmer grew too much of something and they've been storing, you know, a root vegetable. They'll use that out of season to help the farmer to get rid of that stock so that it doesn't get wasted. But, you know, so they had to be very creative. And, and so one of the questions I posed in our book club was, you know, what's your favorite food? And then I followed it up with, what if you could only eat seasonally? So all you people that pick tomatoes, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you like watermelon? Well, what if you can't get it all year round like we can now? Because we're very spoiled in that way. We really are. We really are. Mm -hmm. Even think about things like bananas, right? I mean, come on. We Bananas are in everything. And you can't, you make smoothies, you, whatever it is that you do, you're having bananas. Yeah. And we do not grow these. I mean, Edmonton is a very short growing season. <laughs> it is hard to take anything tropical and make it common here. You have to bring it in. And I think we just don't even consider anymore the cost, the manufacturing, the import, who's growing it, and are they being represented well, the whole thing. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, we just kind of get ignorant and we choose to stay that way because we just want to have our bananas. Oh, for sure. Well, and even, you know, if you look at something like tomatoes and if you think, OK, tomatoes that grow in Florida, well, tomatoes don't really do well in Florida, but they kind of ended up being their staple crop. But they huh. pick them when they're green and then they gas them so that they're that pretty red color. I just I just right. finished reading a I finished reading a book about tomatoes, <laughs> and <laughs> one of the fascinating things was that the tomato growers they don't care if it tastes like a tomato they don't care if it tastes good, all they care about is how many can they grow how fast can they grow them and are they going to survive transport, that's that's their yeah. that's their sort of thing, and taste is is not even a thing that they put into the equation. Whereas here, like when I go to the farmers market. You know, last night I'm at the farmer's market. He's got seven species of tomatoes and he's telling me about every single one and how different they taste. And I'm just like, oh, yes. my goodness. I love this. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. you can guarantee, I was talking to somebody um, at one of the markets out of town that I was doing. And she was explaining to me how when you get vegetables, let's say, from the BC growers mm. and then it's brought here to sell – if you buy a tomato, for example, that has been grown in Alberta, because we have cooler nights and the temperature is moderated differently in their growing patterns, you will get a sweeter tomato because of how the starches settle or something. And so Alberta tomatoes are typically sweeter than BC tomatoes because the temperature there is a little hotter for longer. Yeah. Which yeah. I did not know. Well, yeah. I, and and it's, it's so it cool. Does it makes the sweeter tomato because it, it keeps those sugars right in that tomato. And even right. like, if you look at like ice wine and how sweet ice wine is, well, that's because they let those grapes get those cold temperatures. So it, it develops those sugars to a different level. And, uh, you know, ice wine's great for dessert, but ooh, on its own, I can't do it. <laughs> it's too sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, I wonder yeah. if all of a sudden, if we were told as a population, okay, you do not have access to plastics or we can't import from, you know, XYZ places anymore. You are now going to have to make do with what you've got <laughs> and you can't wrap it like you thought you could. So even if it was plastics, because plastics made it easy to import things safely, you're going to get a lot of bruised things, or you're going to get things that don't look or feel the same way that they used to. We would 
we would jump up in like anger because all of a sudden we can't have the stuff that we got used to. Yeah. All the frozen things, all of the all the processed things, all the junk. Yeah. And we don't have the skills either to grow our own because we traded that so we could buy it from somebody else that was much less quality. Absolutely. And I also, I add into that, would that ignite sort of a spark for innovation for people to be like, huh, I need to find a way to grow these things because you know what, I want basil all year round. And maybe I can have a little pot on my sink. And I, you know, like, mm -hmm. like thinking about, you know, if I can't have these things, but they're really important to me, how do I then get them? Because we're very humans, we're so innovative. And if we mm -hmm. really want something, we'll do it. And um, so I, I wonder if we, if we change the food system that made it better for the environment in general, if people would start growing their own or sharing, you know, I'm going to yeah. grow diesel, you're going to grow parsley and let's share it. You know? you know, I think you're onto something there because I, I do believe that where there is lack, that is where innovation is born. And I think that with COVID, so many people discovered, oh, I guess I, if I can't go to the stores because I'm, I'm afraid or nervous or whatever, I guess I will maybe have to consider growing my own. And there are people who have cleared out parts of their yard to put a garden in and people have discovered bread baking <laughs> because <laughs> they didn't, didn't want to go to the store. And, and that is where that stuff starts. So even though COVID COVID is, of course, a, a tragic thing, and there's been so much devastation from it. I think one of the great things is that people have discovered that kind of hidden knack or that desire to just do your own thing, to start at the ground level and become organic and do something that you have created and share it with people that you love. And I think that if we did more of that, we'd be pretty impressed with what we could do. Oh, yeah. We well, forgot. I think back to even like my grandparents. Like they would harvest time, everyone would get together. And what would they do? They'd start canning, can mm -hmm. your tomatoes for your tomato sauce, your stewed tomatoes, your plum tomatoes, your chopped tomatoes. And then they start <laughs> making, you know, they'd make all the chutneys and the jams and stuff. And so in our, in our book club, when we discussed this zero waste book, one of the things we talked about was for our, our upcoming cooking classes, because of course we have to do cooking classes too. Of course. <laughs> we talked, yes. We talked about well, what if we start, sharing all of our knowledge because we have a lot of knowledge in the group and start making preserves together virtually because we're all over the world um and making fermentation items together all over the world and it led into this incredible discussion of what are people's favorite preserved items and honestly brandy i hadn't heard of half of these things because we had people from south america china and europe in the call talking about their favorite fermented items. I was like, that sounds delicious. What is that? Please spell it out oh for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. We have so much to learn from each other, don't we? Oh, for sure. And I love, that's the biggest thing that I've, I've enjoyed about sort of connecting with people around the world is I'm learning a lot. And, and one of the funniest questions was uh, one of the girls, she is uh, originally from China. She lived in France. And she said, could you please define um, what it preserved food is because I don't understand the definition. And as an English speaker, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like for her, she's thinking preserved like beef jerky duck meat. And I'm thinking, you know, pickled eggs and, and <laughs> you know, pickled onions. And she's like, well, can I make cheese my choice? I was like, well, I, let's discuss this. Can we make cheese your choice? I don't know. <laughs> 
And so, and, and it, just, it was great because it led into fun conversations, but I think one of the, the best parts of our little book club was the author actually came on to it and totally surprised us. We didn't know he was coming. Oh and my. I know. And so then we got like 45 minutes of him uh, answering our like most intimate questions about the book, which was pretty big surprise and really kind of awesome. <laughs> That is the coolest. Can you imagine? Just you're doing an online book club and bing, who's the new person who's been, you know, added? The author. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, and at first I didn't realize he was there. And then I was watching because I was hosting and I was watching all the faces of people and their eyes were lighting up. And then my one friend, <laughs> she she um, turned her camera off. And I was like, why did she turn her camera off? And then I looked at I was like, oh, who's this new guy that joined? Why is his name the same as the author? What? What's happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was just and it was great and the, and he was he was at a friend's barbecue and he took 45 minutes and talked to us at his friend's barbecue <laughs> oh man that is such an honor yeah yeah it was great and he he was just really he, he was blown away that we picked his book for our book club and we're like huh? of course we did it's an amazing book <laughs> Well, that's a huge compliment to the author, too, because I think so many times they just do not understand or grasp the reach that their words can have in different communities. So to know that that his book was appreciated and, you know, really considered for you guys to focus on, what an incredible compliment. That's that's wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was everybody got something different out of it, which was also really as you know, with any book club, you always get something different out of the book. And I, I thought that was a great part of it, too. Oh, I, that's one thing I love about book clubs, because no two people read the same book. And when you all sit down together, all of a sudden, perspectives are opening, your conversation shifts around your thoughts, it takes on a little bit of their thoughts, and then the book becomes so much bigger than it was initially. It's oh, so cool. Yeah, yeah. And then we all go down rabbit holes of, oh, well, now I want to go read this book, because it was, <laughs> you know, and then you're just, you're on to the next book. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, I would be surprised if that didn't happen for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Now, one thing that we didn't touch on, Colleen, is you are a master chocolatier. What is the right term for that? Yeah, I'm a master chocolatier. So I that, tell people, that's it. I, I, yeah, I'm master chocolate. I went to chocolate school. <laughs> like, There's a chocolate school. I'm like, yes, there is. <laughs> and I went to it. <laughs> So That's basically, awesome. I so I took so Ecole Chocolat is a is a chocolate school. It's world renowned, and they're actually operate out of Vancouver. And um, I did a professional chocolatier course with them, and then I did a master chocolatier course with them, and then I've taken all the other courses. You know, like a sommelier of chocolate course, a bean to bar course, all the courses you can take. And uh, it just kind of I had taught myself how to make chocolate and work with chocolate, but then it was like I need more knowledge. And so I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to school. <laughs> Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. And I have tasted your chocolate creations and they are fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I love the, uh, what was it? The pineapple and coconut oh. white chocolate one. Yeah. Oh. Memories so. of Hawaii <laughs> put oh, into man. a chocolate bar. <laughs> Well, you nailed it because I've never been there, but now I feel like my taste buds have. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and I want to follow them one day and go there myself. I know. I know my dad and I were just discussing yesterday because we were supposed to be in Hawaii right now. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, we were supposed to be in Hawaii right now. He's like, yeah, we were. I'm like, let's not talk uh, about it. 
Yuck. Yeah, that's okay. We'll oh. travel again one day. Someday. And then we are going to appreciate the heck out of it. Oh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. So We won't take those things for granted for a very long time, if ever. I know. And it's so like travel has been such a huge part of my life. And I've always loved traveling because you you learn so much, right? And then you also get to eat amazing food. And mm-hmm. um, and it's it's so interesting because this is probably going to be one of the only years that I will not travel anywhere. And uh, so now I've, I've got that wanderlust where it's like start planning things for when we can travel again. Where would I go? Oh, it's so true. I find too that I want to read about places that are not here. Like mm-hmm. local stories, they're lovely. But I'm here all the time now and I can't leave it. So I need to read about places that are not here. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> and at least let my imagination travel for free. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I am with you on that. All right. So are you ready to do a rapid fire 30? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, there's no wrong answers. You can't, you can't go wrong here. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You ready? Yes. All right. Who is an author you'd most like to have coffee with? Oh, Malcolm Gladwell. Hands down. (laughs) Yeah. Which fictional world or time period would you like to spend a weekend in? It's going to sound silly, but I want to go to Harry Potter Hogwarts. (laughs) Not silly at all. <laughs> Not at all. Name a book that changed how you see the world. The Food Explorer, Daniel Stone. It was incredible. Okay. What's a book that broke your heart? Oh, this was a recent one. My Sister's Keeper. I, yeah, I gasped. I had to stop the book and gasp at the end and then continue. <laughs> yeah, you are not alone there. <laughs> If the story of your life were made into a film, who would play you? Um, the actress from Blossom. I can't say her name right. Mayim Bialik. Mayim Bialik? Yes, that one. She would play me. <laughs> I can see the similarity. I can yeah. see it. Yeah, and she's a scientist, and that's actually my actual background is that sort of science. So, oh, Look at that. Yeah. What is a book that did not live up to its hype? Oh. Um, it was called Contagious. Josh Bergen, I think it was about how, how things become, you know, things. I, I mm-hmm. didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> what is a book that wasn't hyped enough? Oh, Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, what a beautiful book. It really was. So beautiful. Oh. Yeah. What is a book that should never be made into a film? <laughs> Memoirs of a Geisha. (laughs) I honestly thought when I was watching it that I put the wrong movie in. I was like, what is happening right now? (laughs) Okay, I'm right with you there. That is one of my all-time favorite books. And the movie on its own, I thought, okay, fine. But let's not attach it to the book. Yeah, (laughs) Let's just leave those two separate. Yeah. And what is a screen adaptation that's actually better than the book? Uh, I wouldn't say better, but I would say... Uh, brought everything to life his dark materials they did on hbo not the movie but the one on Mm -hmm. hbo as i was watching that it was like everything that was in my brain from the book was there like it was so well done but that's the hbo one i have to clarify okay that's a great compliment for the creators of that well done yeah what was the last book you stopped reading um it was a book about a cat that had uh, 
oh, I can't even remember because it, it made me so mad. <laughs> I put it away. <laughs> and it was it, the cat. It was a Japanese book, and it was about the cat as the main character. And I, I just couldn't get through it. I was just like, this is awful. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> They're not all good. No. What was the last book you bought? Um. Well, I bought it from you, and it was called The Spark, the Jody P. Colt book. Oh, yes. Yes, you recommended it to me. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Mm-hmm. What was the last book someone gave you? Oh, Followers. My mom just gave me that. I read it in like a day and a half. It was ridiculously <laughs> good. Oh, <good>. Yeah. <laughs> what was the last book you reread? Um, The Alchemist. I love that book. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's been a while since I read that. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice to pick it up again and read it again. What was the last book you suggested to someone? Um, I suggested The Food Explorer to a friend of mine because I just love that book. And the last book you posted a picture of? Oh, it's the one I'm reading right now. It is a journal by a chef in Copenhagen. His name is Rene Redzepi, and it's a journal of a year of his life uh, at the restaurant. Ooh, that sounds good. It is good. So is that the book you're reading right now? Yeah, I'm reading it right now, too. I took a picture of it, and and I'm reading it. <laughs> okay, there you go. There's two questions in one. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what is the next book that you can't wait to start? Oh, American Dirt. Oh, it is good. Yeah, my mom gave it to me yeah. last month, and I just I had all these other books to read, so it's next. Oh, yeah. Let me know when you're done. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. Excellent. Who's the best literary villain? Oh, mm, literary villain. I'm going to go with um, Snape, Professor Snape from Harry Potter. I okay. like it. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do too. Name the first three books that come to mind. Um, the Suki Stackhouse books, because I'm reading them as well right now. Um, uh, Thrive by Arianna Huffington. And Save Me the Plums by Ruth Reichel. Oh, that's a good one, too. I like her. <laughs> yeah, beautifully written. Ebook or tree book? Both. I'm Borrow or buy? Both. Weirdest thing you've ever used as a bookmark? A chocolate bar wrapper. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite place to read? In bed. I like to snuggle up. A book you loaned out and never got back? The Rachel Hollis book. (laughs) I don't know. I think I'm not getting it back. Um, The first one, A Girl Wash Your Face. Girl, no, wash your face. Yeah, no, it's been gone a year now. I, I think it's oh. coming back. No, adios, adios, Rachel Hollis. It's not. It's not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> what is a book that you borrowed and never returned? Oh, I'm not that person. I nope. It goes back to its owner. Oh, you're a star. <laughs> yeah. How do you organize your bookshelves? I don't. I, <laughs> I'm the person that hides the books in the house so that the person that I live with doesn't realize how many have joined the living space. (laughs) So they're, they're, they're all over. And I just pretend that they didn't come home with me. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) What is the thickest book on your shelf? Um, It's actually a language book. 
uh, it's a very cool book. It's called Empire of the Word. It's it's got to be six seven hundred pages long. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What is your favorite word? My favorite word. Oh, oh, my favorite word. Can I say craptastic? Yes. <laughs> okay. Totally a fun one. <laughs> and what do you drink while reading? Uh, tea or coffee. Both. I like and, both. And how many books did you read last year? You know what? It's so funny. I took <clears throat> I took a hiatus from reading for a while, and I don't really know why. And then last year in May, I read Rachel Hollis's book, and I was like, I need to start reading again. And so I started <laughs> keeping track. I did 85 books last year, but I could have read more if I, you know, started before May. <laughs> That's impressive. Thank you. And with that, you have completed your rapid fire 30. Oh, excellent. <laughs> well done. See, that wasn't painful at all. You totally nailed it. Thank you. Well, you know, it was, we're talking about books and that's one of my favorite things to talk about and one of your favorite <laughs> things to talk about. So it's, it's good. <laughs> It is. And just think of all the great bookish things we can talk about in the new store. There will be so many things to bring in. And you can suggest really good food books I have never even heard of that I have to carry. It's going to be awesome. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I am so <laughs> excited for your new space. I mean, the book truck is just a dream. And now there's going to be even more to love. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be a wild ride, I tell you. Yeah, it's overwhelming right now, but I'm totally excited. I am too. And so is Edmonton. We love bookstores. <laughs> we do, don't we? We do. It's a good bookish community. It really is. Absolutely. And Colleen, where can all of my listeners find out about your chocolates and your business? So how can they support you? Easiest way is just uh, our website or Instagram. So Colleen'sChocolates.com or our Instagram is at Colleen's Chocolates. And you can see all the pretty pictures. Ordering is so easy. It's online. And then we will be back at the 124th Street Market on Sundays starting July 19th. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Okay. And you ship chocolates, right? It's we not can. just for local. We can. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Because this podcast is listened to in seven different countries. So Amazing. I mean, people love chocolate all over the world, and your chocolate is stellar. So I'm sure people will want to taste it and see just how a master chocolatier can create something awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you <You're make> me <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I know you. I am so glad we met, too. If, how long ago was it? Was it just this year? Uh, no, we met last year at a small farmer's market. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we met last year in the summer at a uh, little farmer's market. And then, yeah, we've just been kind of around the same circles of people for this past year. Yeah. You know, I love that about the market community. Sometimes a market itself, I walk away and I think, you know, was that worth my time? But often what I walk away with is a connection or a relationship with somebody that I wouldn't have met otherwise. So obviously, for whatever market that was, you were the best takeaway that I had from that because I am so grateful to know you. And every time I see you walk past the truck or come in the truck, I literally feel lighter inside. You're just so buoyant and exciting. And I'm I'm always wanting to hear what you're thinking, and I feel like I never have time to hear it. I know. So it's it's so nice. And even last night, like I 
my I went through the market with my dad and he'd never been to the market before and halfway through the market he's like do you know everybody I'm like these are my people these are my people dad <laughs> Well, and that market especially, too, is just such a fantastic group of people. I love them. I do, too. And it's it's that of all the markets I've ever done. That's the closest knit community for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm so grateful to be a part of that. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah. Well, thank you totally, Colleen, for spending time with me today. I'm delighted to um, – to do this and I will post this soon so everybody can hear it and not waste their time being chocolateless one more day. (laughs) They need it. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, this was so fun. Like you said, we never get enough time to sit and chat. So this was kind of like a, a nice little uh, lavish uh, way to spend my morning. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. And I think we'll probably have to definitely book time where we literally just sit, we have a drink and we just talk until we're done. That would be fun. I I am a hundred percent. I'm there for that. Yes. Okay. Okay. I think we should do that since, you know, it's not like we have anything going on in our lives. Ha ha. <laughs> Nothing but time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day, my friend, and I will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much, Brandy. Talk to you soon. It is such a delight to take my book truck out to different places and to meet amazing people like Colleen, which honestly, I never would have crossed paths with her otherwise. So it is such a gift. I am so, so grateful. And thank you, Colleen, for spending time with me talking about all things food and books because we do love food and books. And it's just always a delight to spend time with you. So everybody, thank you so much for spending time with us today and giving us your ears and your time. And you know, there are big things coming. So stay tuned, sign up for the email and you'll be the first to know. So until then, happy reading, everybody.